What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marcus. And I'm your host, B. Reed. What up, man? Chilling, man. How about yourself? Trying to stay the hell out of this uh, this cold weather that we got going on down here. It's cold than the mofo down here. I thought you liked cold weather. I mean, it doesn't really bother me, but, you know, it's I still got that thin Arizona blood, so, you know. This is for the birds. I hate cold weather. It's cutting me in the bones lately, so. Uh, man, had a, had a pretty exciting weekend. Um, you know, got to watch some... Some uh, SEC champ, some of the championship games around. Really, I didn't watch anything besides the SEC championship because I just didn't care. I hate SEC uh, fans. Why? Because you guys are the most arrogant fans ever. Your conference isn't even that good. Like you have the. I'll get into it later. Finish your little intro. I got a lot of hatred for SEC fans. Clearly, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez, man, I just happened to. I made a statement. I was just saying that. You know, I don't. I love college football, but I don't really like college football like that. So it's it's been harder and harder for me to watch games. I just don't give a shit about. You don't like college anything in Man, it's so Arkansas. true. <laughs> they need to be better. Okay, they are, these, they, these kids need to play like pros. They're just, <laughs> that's a hard ass, bro. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Let's get to it. So we had um, Georgia and Alabama, which was a great game. Uh, until Georgia decided to be, I mean, make really one of the dumbest plays, call play calls I've ever in all of my years have ever seen. Um, to to go with a fake punt on fourth and eleven from your own fifty against a defense that's playing a punt prevent. <laughs> wasn't even a prevent. It was they were in their actual defense. Like it wasn't even a surprise. Bama didn't even get out of their base defense. <laughs> right, it, and it, and then you to try if you were gonna throw the ball, okay, I could kind of see, not really, but kind of. But if you're just gonna run, come on, man, somebody somebody got to lose their job. What's the what's the backup quarterback's name that they threw in there? <laughs> I don't know, but it was no point throwing his ass in there because that was the instant tell. You just I put know, a bullseye the, right on him. You put that dude in there like, oh, you're just gonna fool somebody. Like that was one of the dumbest play calls I've ever seen. It's something about. <laughs> Nick Saban, like he has Kirby Smart, like terrified. Even when he's like owning Saban, it's like he doesn't respect him. That Saban doesn't respect him. It's like his little brother. Like I can come back on this dude whenever I want. He just he's so timid. Like he'll play aggressive and he'll have a good game plan. But he had he didn't learn from the championship game last year that you have to keep your foot on Bama's neck. You can't coast. All that running dives three times in a row just because you got the lead. It's just ridiculous, man. It was almost like I was watching two t- different teams in the fourth quarter. Like, Georgia in the first three quarters was one team, and then Georgia in the fourth quarter was just like... That's the thing. Like you just said, it's like, I don't, underst- I don't understand. I think coaches should be fired immediately. If you are going to play teams like the Patriots, play teams like Alabama, Teams that have been there and done this before, and all of a sudden you think because you got a ten point lead that now's the time to go conservative. It just it never works. It never works. It, Why do you do it? It's not even the point that he was running the ball. 
because they were very effective all day at running the ball. But it's the type of run plays. Like, right, just straight up the middle, yeah. one back set. You know, it just made no sense. Quit diving it right in the middle. Okay, you were getting pushed in the first half, and that may have been working. But okay, it's not working right now. Let's do some other, switch it up. Maybe throw some pitches. You know, do some other, you know, swing, pull the guard. Something, something besides what you're doing because it's not working. And I thought Fromm was playing an excellent game. He was playing a great game. And then you take the ball away from him. Okay, yeah. you got to put him in position to win the game. You got to trust him the whole game. It's not like, okay, he played good three quarters, but he's going to mess it up for me. No, you have to trust him to make the plays. Put it in his hands. He had been delivering the ball perfectly. So I, I just didn't like the whole play call. I didn't like anything about it. Bama had a chance. I mean, Georgia had a chance to win. I thought they could beat Bama. But overall, I'm glad Georgia didn't beat Bama because it would have really pissed me off because that would have left OU out of the playoffs. Right, and I'm glad you finally came around to seeing that they were still going to put two SEC teams in anyway. Well, I didn't believe it until I watched the college football playoff show, and I was trying to figure out how Georgia got the fifth seed over a conference winner at a conference championship. Uh, A conference winner, one loss with a conference championship. They still got the fifth seed over Ohio State. That whole structure is totally ridiculous Ridiculous to me. Cause fuck Urban Meyer, that's what he gets. Yeah, but I don't. It's more. It's about more than Urban Meyer. Yeah, Urban Meyer is a piece of it, but those kids are still out there playing, and they deserve a shot. And I'm tired of this SEC bias. It's a SEC bias is totally ridiculous, man. There's no way a two loss team should get in the playoff. I don't care about the eye test. I don't care how good they look on the field. They can't get in if they lost two losses. If they have two losses, the eye test fails you if they lose by twenty to LSU and then they lose to to Bama. They lost against the two best teams they face. They don't deserve to be in. I mean, I'm. I agree. Um, did you see any of that Texas OU game? I actually did watch that. Uh, so I lied earlier. I forgot to watch that game. Um, Texas did everything they could to give that away. Uh, it was a, it was a good game. Uh, I'm not super surprised that Oklahoma won. Kyler Murray is the truth. Yeah. I, I, again, I don't think he could ever be a pro quarterback. I just don't. He's way too small, five eight, five nine, whatever he is. But um, I, I he he's a good he's he's good. Well, the one thing I'll say about his size, we talked about this early in the year, but it's something about kids that play baseball. The size thing doesn't affect them as much because they have several different platforms they can throw for from. Like I've seen uh, Baker Mayfield and Sam Bradford get the ball knocked down at the line way more than I've seen Kyler Murray get the ball knocked down at the line. Um, even in college, you still have six, 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 seven offensive linemen. You're still throwing over them, so it hadn't seemed to be a problem. Um, back in the day in the NFL, you would play um, under center a lot more, so that would affect smaller players. But now. Hell, the NFL is pretty much like college football. You play from the shotgun 80, 90% of the time. So I think that short thing is kind of overrated these days because now it's all pretty much shotgun, pistol offenses. So obviously you're excited. Oklahoma made it into the championship game. I, I think that – I think college football is excited or, um, you know, to be able to get the, the two front runners, so to say, for the Heisman Trophy in uh, Tua Tagliolova and um, – Kyler Murray to face off um, in, in their in the their bowl game. Yeah, I think this is a dream come true from for them because I thought I think they believed this is what would have happened last year. Um, I think they thought that OU would have faced Bama for the championship. That's what everybody was gearing up for, and then you were disappointed because OU lost. 
So this year, there's no room for error. You just put them right up front against Bama. You got the two Heisman Trophy winners, which is a storyline that they love to push. Who won the Heisman against who didn't win the Heisman. Um, traditionally, the person that loses the Heisman win, usually wins the game. But um, I'm interested to see this matchup. I know most... They came in at, oh, you came in at a 14-point underdog, which is totally ridiculous to me. Um, just It ain't to me. Well, let me say this. This is a, that's a SEC bias because the same thing happened last year when OU matched up against Georgia and OU had no problem moving the ball. Now, am I saying that OU is definitely going to beat Bama? No. But this concept that the SEC defenses are so tough you can't score the ball on it, we played a lot of SEC teams and we've never had a problem scoring the ball on them. Not one SEC team we played. And we played Georgia, who probably had the best defense in college football last year, and we put up 50 on them. Yeah, but Alabama's putting up 50 on everybody besides Georgia, so. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's cool. So they can beat us in a shootout, but 14 points? What says that they will beat us by 14 points? Well, we'll see. Um and then let's talk a little bit about the other matchup, the little brother. I, I, uh, the little brother bowl. Um, because I don't think Notre Dame. I mean, now Notre Dame is serious, but I don't think Clemson's any good. Uh, I just think they had the benefit of playing the ACC, which is might as well be the Conference USA um, or whatever. <laughs> well, the hell. This year they've I mean, been much better in previous years, but this yeah, year they, they were pretty. This bad. has been uh, an atrocity. So um, I don't want to put too much in them. Although I think that uh, Kelly Bryant announced that he was coming to Arkansas today. Um, I didn't or hear that. That's to be expected. But anyway. Um, what are your thoughts on that matchup? I think Notre Dame is a good team. I don't think that they can beat Alabama. Maybe they match up well with Oklahoma, but I don't think they can beat Alabama. I think they'll beat Clemson, though. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, when I was watching the college football playoff show, a lot of people kept talking about the eye test with Georgia. If you looked at the eye test, I don't think Notre Dame deserved to be in. If they're going to take away conference championships, wins and losses, Joey Galloway said it best. If you're going to not care about wins and losses and just talk about the eye test, then you have to put Notre Dame in there and say they didn't deserve to be in. I'm not one for that. I think if you play everybody on your schedule and you beat them, then you deserve to be in. I, I respect. Oh, but Central Florida doesn't get the benefit of the doubt from you, right? No, I think Central Florida. I think Central Florida deserves a shot. Just not this year. <laughs> oh, Next year, if they go undefeated. Right? I mean, they got a really good matchup against LSU. If you beat LSU, I think it's going to be hard to late, um, put them in next year. Um, but they don't really play a tough schedule. I know they beat Memphis, and you're a Memphis guy, but nah. who else have yeah, they played? I mean, I mean, that's fair. I'm just saying, you, like you just said, we, you got to play who's in front of you. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I'm mainly talking about Power 5 schools. So let's just get that out the way. I think if UCF wants consideration, just like I used to say for Boise State, they need to join a Power 5 conference. Bring UCF into the Big 12. I know it's easier said than done, and it may not even be up to UCF, but they need to work harder to try to join a Power 5. Yeah, but that logistically doesn't make sense. They'd have to go to the ACC yeah, or wherever. the SEC. Obviously, the ACC has, like, what, 27 basketball teams? I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure they can fit you in somewhere. Um, all right, man. Let's get off that. Are there any uh, bowl matchups that stick out to you? Is my first question. Then my second question is: We've actually started to have a list of kids who are not going to play in the bowl games. They're going to forego the bowl games for, um, you know, to focus on the draft. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, first of all, it's not a lot of 
intriguing matchups. Usually, even in the smaller bowls, there are some interesting matchups that you want to see. I was looking through the bowl list, and there's not a lot of matchups that really stick out to me. But the ones mm-hmm. that do, um, I want to see Ohio State against Washington um, just to see how Ohio State is against another good quarterback because I think they benefited from a lot of bad quarterback play. Um, Texas, Georgia is really big for the Big 12 because, as I said, the Big 12 don't get a lot of respect. So with OU playing Bama and Texas playing Georgia, they have a chance to make a statement, even if they don't have to win both games. But if you're really, you know, if it's a good matchup, which traditionally it had been. I mean, when OU's faced Bama in the past, it's been a good matchup. When Texas faced Bama in the championship game that one year, I think it was a pretty close matchup. Um, But for some reason, the Big 12 just can't seem to get the respect of voters in the SEC. So I think that is a good opportunity for the Big 12 to showcase their talent and show that they're legitimate teams. Because if Bama blows out OU and Georgia blows out Texas, then you may see in the next coming years, if it's a two, if it's a one loss big um, SEC team, then you'll see more more two SEC teams getting in, if that makes sense. Yep. And then on the other hand, of people sitting out, man, I, I can't really blame these kids. I mean, the benefit of going to the bowl game and, you know, getting swag and packages and vacationing and stuff is outweighed by the risk that you may get hurt and could lose a lot of money. In the years past, we've seen some major injuries in these bowl games that has severely hurt these kids' draft stock. I mean, Nick Bosa, he he took it to another level. He just quit in the middle of the season, and they had a I good mean, team. <laughs> same thing that, that Leonard Fournette did, and, you know, it. I, I don't blame these guys at all. I mean, you look at what happened to Jake Butt, who was the number one tight end coming out of college, who has now torn his ACL a third time. You look at a Jalen Samuel who missed his first year, uh, or was it first two years? First year? I think it was first year. First year um, from a devastating injury uh, in a bowl game. So, you know, I I'm always gonna side with the players when it comes, especially in college basketball. I mean, even in the pros, I'm always more pro player. But when it comes to college 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 sports, I'm all about the players, man. Uh, make your money. As as I said, it is. In my opinion, modern day slavery, and I know that's a, a, a hole yeah, that we don't want to go rough. down. It's a bit rough. But you know, I I do think that these kids are exploited. I think they are that, exploited though. Uh, yeah, I think that if, if they have a chance to make your millions, go make the millions, kid. Don't risk it. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, the benefit is a lot more for the school than it is for the player. You're literally playing for free, and you're going to this bowl to get an Xbox One and a and a watch. I mean, yeah, you can now buy if that you're when in you the championship game. That's one thing, or, or or a major bowl. You know, one of the, the big four. If you're in the playoffs, that's one thing. But I have no problem with skipping the Rose Bowl. I have no. I mean, it's probably a cool experience. But if you have a chance to go in the first round, of the NFL draft, sit that shit out. Yeah, and another um, underrated thing that people don't understand about college football. I know everyone gets caught up in the college football playoff and the championship. We've only been in a, like a unified football game for what, like. 10 to 15 years before mm-hmm. then your actual championship where you got your championship ring was the conference championship so yep. if you win your conference and you get a ring you get all the recognition like you won a championship it's not recognized like that nationwide but for the school and for the conference that is a championship that's a win your ring looks just as good as the championship ring most of the time. So there's right. really no incentive, especially if your team won the conference championship and you're just going to the Orange Bowl for what? So um, Urban Meyer has decided that he's going to retire from football. Um, 
I think it's a great move by that scumbag. I, <laughs> I, I truly detest Urban Meyer. I think he's a terrible human being, and he's proven that time and time and time again. And um, just not a good dude. Just not a good dude. Do you think that this retirement is official? Or not official, I should say. Um, is it permanent? Uh, it's hard with college football to ever say that a retirement is permanent. It just seems like these coaches just can't stay away. Um, I think it's going to be a while. It won't be a year um, before Urban Meyer gets another job. But in the next five, ten years, Urban comes back to get a job at a, a lower-tier school or even a Power 5 school. I could see that. Um, there's mixed messages on if this is a health thing or if he's being pushed out because he lost control again. It seems like the same weird situation in Florida where he just loses control because all he's about is winning. But his record when he when he does coach is undeniable. I mean, it's, he has one of the more impressive records as a head as a head coach of anybody that's coaching. So you can't argue with that. But what does he leave you with when he leaves? Because he left Florida in disarray, which I don't know if they fully recovered from him yeah, leaving. They're still recovering from that. <laughs> so, I mean, even the recruits that he bring in, it's just the environment that he leaves the team in is 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 kind of devastating. But they, they have a, a pretty smooth transition with this Ryan Day. So hopefully it's a better transition. But, I mean, is what, what, what do you value? Do you value winning or what? I mean, what do you value when you when you bring these coaches in? I mean, if I had a kid, I would never send him to Ohio State. Well, I have a kid. If I had a son, I would never send him. <laughs> I would never send him to Ohio State. The girls can't, but the girls can go to Ohio State. No, no, I don't think I got to think about the Big Ten. They can't go to no Big Ten school. <laughs> you raising little little track athletes there. I mean, they, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to start rooting for the SEC eventually. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. We might have to uh, take an L and still send them to the Big 12. (laughs) I think Baylor has a nice track program down in Waco. Um, So, Cliff Kingsbury uh, has taken a job as the USC offensive coordinator. Um, Mac Brown is back in the fold. Les Miles is back in the fold. Um, Obviously, I think, you know, the, the Cliff Kingsbury news is really good for USC. They've been in the dumps for the past couple of years. And I think we talked about Clay Helton keeping his job last week. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a great move from them. Mac Brown to, to North Carolina, we kind of talked a little bit about. But uh, less miles to Kansas, I don't know that that does much for them. It probably stabilizes their program. But, I mean, that's just too hard of a conference to recruit in to really expect much. Yeah, and less miles didn't do too well when he was in the conference with Oklahoma State. Once he left Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State has been a much better program under Mike Gundy than they had than they were under Les Miles. Les Miles got the benefit of going to LSU and just being stacked with talent, but he can't really coach. Thanks I mean, to Nick Saban. Yeah, he can. He well, can. and being in that hotbed that is Louisiana, Florida, yeah, Texas. But, but I really like the Cliff Kingsbury because with the talent that USC gets, that can be dynamic. We've already saw what that offense can do in Washington State. Washington State is already a threat in the Pac-12 with the Mike Leach, Texas Tech-style offense. What is it, the air raid? That Yeah, that, the air raid offense. So you put the air raid offense with those Southern Cal quarterbacks and the USC talent, that could put USC back on the map. And like I said, I don't think that, what is his name, Clayton Helton? Yeah, Clayton Hel- Clay Helton. Yeah. yeah, Clay Helton. I don't think he's a bad coach. I just think that he's been missed. I don't think he's a good offensive coach. 
So now and T. Martin clearly isn't either. Even though Tennessee University of Tennessee wants him back bad for some reason. Yeah, but they've been missing for years. Didn't they take yeah. in Lane Kiffin? They tried to bring in the old boy from Ohio State <laughs> who got ran yeah. out. Yeah, but Lane Kiffin was a good coach for Tennessee, and I, I still maintain that if he stayed there that they would be a good team, they'd be irrelevant. I think Lane Kiffin's a good coach. I just think he's an asshole. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 like, not like an Urban Meyer asshole. Like, Lane Kiffin's not a bad person. Lane Kiffin's just a rotten – he's just a grumpy – young dude <laughs> yeah but i think he is like an urban meyer asshole but the difference is urban meyer is a lot more seasoned and a lot more respected the thing with lane kiffin is he's like the the bratty kid with the rich dad so it's hard for him to get respect <laughs> you know what i mean so i remember people when he took the fau job they said that uh lane kiffin's resume reads in reverse <laughs> <laughs> you know they're like wait Benjamin Button style. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, head coach for the Oakland Raiders, head coach for Tennessee, head coach for USC, offensive coordinator at <laughs> Alabama, and then head coach at FAU. Usually it's the other way around. I mean, FAU, he, Alabama, USC, Tennessee, Oakland. He irritated Nick Saban to the point where Nick Saban didn't even want to go to the championship game with yeah, him. Like, dude, I you can go. Get out of here. I just, yeah. can't, I just can't take it anymore. We'll take our chances without you. <laughs> Well, look how Steve Sarkeesian turned out. Yeah, got that. That was the one they lost, right? That was it. Lane Kiffin woke up drunk as hell and happy as hell. I'm sure of it. (laughs) They Uh, they did need me. Yep. So, all right, man, let's get to the NFL. Um, So we've had had a lot going on over the last week or so. Um, Kareem Hunt cut by the Kansas City Chiefs, which was a shocker. Um, But I think that. He seems to have an issue with with some uh, with some physical anger problems uh, because now there's three people or three incidents that people have said that he's kicked or hit or punched or somebody in a bar or in a hotel, which one of which we have video of. Um, what do you make of all this? What I would say is, you you these athletes play a violent sport, and especially you see this issue with running backs. And linebackers a lot and these are the people that run full speed and put their head down and hit each other all the time their whole job is to run full speed into a hole and run through collisions and you when you see these incidents there it's usually linebackers or they're running backs it has to be a CTE thing but aside from that I was very surprised. I mean, I did uh, more video. I see, I can understand it. But when it when it first came out, it looked like he just shoved the girl or shoved whoever. And I was like, man, getting cut, you know, a suspension. I can understand. But then you get more videos, you get more incidents, you get that he lied, and it's like, man, this dude is so talented. And now people are acting like they don't want to touch him. Now that'll change because we saw the Randy Gregory get back. Um, what was the dude that had the um? The guns on the bed and like held the woman hostage in the hotel room. Yeah, uh, Greg. Greg Hardy. Uh, Greg Hardy. Yeah, he got on a team. I think Reuben Foster had did something. He just got signed by the Redskins. Reuben Foster loves him some domestic violence, yeah. and he got claimed off waivers. So, and this kid is too talented not to get picked up by somebody. But we have to. I know domestic violence is bad. But saying that these kids are in control of what they're doing, I'm not 100% sure they are. I mean. You, 
Your boy Joe Mixon hit a girl with a with a bus driver level uppercut, uh, and he was still drafted. So, uh. and yeah, he he actually lucked up because of that video. I don't know how they kept that video from showing up for like three years because yeah. that video would have came out. It's no way he would have just got a year suspension. He benefited no. from that video not coming out. Bob Stoops suspending him for a whole year. And I think that's part of the reason why Bob Stoops took an early retirement Urban Meyer style because he had a string of incidents like the Joe Mixon. I mean, he picked up a dude from Baylor who had robbed, had had like robbed the houses, some armed robbery. Then once mm-hmm. he got on campus, he went back home and robbed some other people and he went on trial. So these coaches would do anything for talent. And Kareem yeah. Hunt's extremely talented. So I don't see him not getting picked up. I just... I just don't think these kids are in control of their actions, not in total control. You know, so I want to talk about that for a second. You brought up a point that maybe it's CTE. I mean, it's taking all the head injuries, maybe. Now, I want to add, where the hell has Roger Goodell been on this? Um, you know, because I, I think if this were to happen in the NBA, Adam Silver would come out and be like, hey, this is unacceptable, and here's the consequences, and this happens again, we're done with you. Um, but... For some reason, you don't really see domestic violence issues. At, they're not as prevalent in the NBA. Now, that could be that they're swept under the rug. Um, but they just the, the NBA seems to have... Basketball just seems to attract... I don't know if it's better individuals as far as, like, you know, kids that have their heads on together. But football attracts some... Either, either it's all the head injuries or football just attracts some mean, dirty dudes. And that's not, and that's not just from the kids that play, it's also the people that coach. I mean, we're talking about Bob Stoops. We're talking about an Urban Meyer. We're talking about Lane Kiffin. We're talking about a lot of these other coaches who they don't seem to be – they're not good dudes either. Yeah, I mean, it's a brutal sport though, man. I, I don't – I think it's unrealistic for you to put to, put somebody as a kid, and that's why I think a lot of people are going away from letting their kids play I wouldn't let my kids play tackle football. Yeah, so early because you put them in this environment. And if you've ever played football, if you've ever been around football, maybe the Mm -hmm. average person that's looking at this that doesn't know the environment that they're bred in, I mean, it's really a breeding ground for violence and brutality. I mean, they play rough. I mean, (laughs) you know what I mean? So a lot of things that, that just comes as nature to them, they're raised in this environment. You spend most of your time playing sports with you know, with your coaches in the locker room, traveling, you know what I mean? So you, you're you pretty much raised in these violent, brutal environments to go along with, as I said, you're running head first in the dudes 20, 30 times a game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, that's why people are different in the NBA as far as the NFL. I mean, even if you look at offensive linemen, you don't see this. You see some offensive linemen, they're dirty, you know, on the field, but they're really intelligent off the field. Because, yeah, it's rough in the tr- trenches, but it's more like wrestling. They're not going head first with dudes. I mean, you're, you're hand wrestling, you know, it's tough, it's physical, but it's not really head-to-head impact. That's why I was saying you see a lot of these instances in linebackers. You see some in D-linemen, but you don't see this in quarterbacks. You don't see a lot of domestic violence in quarterbacks. You don't see a lot of domestic violence in wide receivers. It's it's the positions that are really physical, going head first, that are they said that these collisions are like car accidents, small car accidents every time they get tackled. And they're thirty times a game, four hundred carries a year. I mean, what do you expect? So 
How you you ever sit and think how can we justify having this as a sport when we know what the consequences are when we know the long term effects for a lot of these players you know and it's kind of like just watching a, a car crash or, or whatever the saying is I mean you just keep, people can't take their eyes off, off football and we justify it well you know I I love the fantasy aspect of it I love this and that and the other but and as you said I think people are starting to wake up and say well I'm not gonna let my kid play football if I had sons I probably wouldn't let them play tackle football at least not until they're in high school um you know I and we've talked about it before that I think we'll start to see some of the better athletes play soccer play basketball play baseball um at some point man I mean I I really think that football is going to have a rude awakening um because we know about CT we know it at these head injuries and we're we're watching these guys right before our eyes kind of deteriorate and make bad decisions yeah but i mean it also comes down to the fact that it's opportunity um the unfortunate thing about football is it's an opportunity for a lot of people african-americans a lot of african-americans in poverty that's why you see a lot of african-americans um playing football because that's their opportunity to get out of their situations and yeah i may have cte i might have brain damage but this could be an opportunity for me to move my family out of a bad situation these coaches generational and 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 change your your family tree's life forever well even short term a lot of a lot of times these coaches are like father figures to these kids these coaches are providing things for these families that they can't get and it comes down to typically basketball and football there's not a lot of soccer places to play soccer in ghettos i mean right when i moved up to here i see soccer places everywhere i didn't see a soccer field back in my hometown like right i've never played soccer we played soccer at school but there wasn't soccer fields there it was basketball football baseball or track that's it. That was your options. That was ways that you can get a scholarship. You can go to school. You can make it out. So even though it's brutal, it's more like the arena um, than anything else back in Rome. But that's an opportunity for kids to get out of bad situations. If you're seeing people get shot and killed, the alternative is maybe make a million dollars and get some brain damage when I'm 50. What you going to take? Right. Eh, yeah, you got a good point. Um, you know, I just I hate to see it. I don't, I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but I hate to see it, man. I mean, Clearly, there's an issue, and and you know it's just a matter of figuring out how to fix this because that's one thing the NFL has not done. They have not come out and addressed this. They have not come out, and they had a chance to get it right. Um, you know, especially after Ray Rice, Randy, or uh, Greg Hardy, and and a lot of these other things, they still got this wrong um, with collecting information or investigating this. They still got it wrong, and if the video had never come out. We would have never heard of this. Well, that's what I don't understand. The NFL has investigators. They have money. So how can this video get out? You know what I mean? Like, you could have got this video. The same video that TMZ has. It's hard for me to believe that nobody in the NFL or the Chiefs organization saw this video. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible for me to believe that that's true. If TMZ can get this video, you can't tell me that the Kansas City Chiefs or the NFL cannot get this video. So I believe that they saw this video, and and if you look at the season, I know it's it's a long time away, but look how they were using Kareem Hunt early in the season. It was like he wasn't even part of the offense. And then around, it was a Monday night football game where he broke out. They really started using him, but they weren't really giving him the ball. It's like they were preparing to be without him. Right. But now it leaks, and then they immediately let him go and said, said he lied to me. But I don't think they want to know the truth. You know what I'm saying? 
because you can find the truth. If TMZ can get that video, that you can get that video. The NFL makes $13 billion a year. They can get that video. <laughs> you can get that video. There's no way TMZ can get the video, but you can't get the video. Money talks. I'm going to say this. Whether or not it's true, athletes got to stop messing with these girls that's going to call them the N-word if they get turned down. Because, I man, keep hearing that story over and over. Oh, she called me the N-word. She called me the N-word. And maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But... Something's got to give, man. Stop messing with these girls. I mean, you see it over and over, man. These dudes putting themselves in bad situations. Gary on Conley, you know, uh, last year before the draft. I mean, it, the list goes on and on. These guys got to be smarter. It, like I said, this but, doesn't but, happen mean, to even NBA if they, players. It don't matter who you messing with. That doesn't matter. That's just childish. I mean, if you're talking about grown men still getting mad because a woman calls them the N-word. So what? <laughs> I mean, you're talk- so you're going to lose your career, lose a million-dollar contract because someone called you the N-word? I mean, all right. But all right. This, this don't happen in basketball. That's my point. <laughs> yeah. How? It's smarter. There's no way that I get – there's nothing that anybody can say to me that can make me lose my contract. Now, even even when Ron Artest, you talk about the thing that the melee at the Palace, that wasn't someone saying something to Ron Artest. They, they say a lot of stuff to those players all the time. And yeah, they, but Ron Artest is crazy. Yeah, but they threw. Think about think about if you're laying on the scores table, or whatever, which you shouldn't be doing that anyway, right? <laughs> and then someone throws a drink in your face. It's assault. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's what I'm saying, man. People got to be smarter. I know. I mean, I, I argue that it's probably some brain damage, but man, these they, they, people got to be smarter, man. You got to look at do a risk analysis of what you're gonna lose because of this one incident. But as I said, there's a lot of people with a lot of mental disease. CTE is a mental disease. So you can say what you want. A lot of people with mental diseases cannot control their actions. They cannot control when they get enraged, even when they want to. So I don't I don't even know how much blame is on these players. So let's get to some of the results on the field real quick. Um, Dallas, man. Dallas, the Amari Cooper... Um, acquisition does not look bad now. Then you have the emergence of uh, Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith in that backfield. They don't even miss Sean Lee, who plays. You know, for a dude that plays three games a year, I hear so, oh, Sean Lee's a difference maker. It's like, how do you know? The dude plays three games a year. Well, because traditionally, their defense is kind of bad, and when he plays, their defense looks good. This year is probably the first year without Sean Lee that that defense has looked really good. And they have some really good linebackers, as you said, and some really good corners. So mm-hmm. that defense is really set, and you saw that. Uh, that defensive line is terrified. Drew Brees looked like he was a scared puppy back there. He couldn't even get the passes off, even when people were open. You know, people talk a lot of crap about how bad Dallas is or this, that, and the other. But you know what? Dallas drafts very well. They Dallas just they just draft well. Um, well, they didn't and, for like 10 years, but now they have been really focused on key areas, and it's been different. I think Jerry Jones has kind of taken his hands off a little bit, and the kids are drafting way better. But, yeah, their drafting positions of need, and their scouting department's better. They're found, finding talent everywhere. Um, and then you had – so what does that mean for the Saints? Uh, do you think that was just a hiccup, or is this something that we're going to have to look at in the playoffs? Because, I mean, I think Dallas is going to end up making the playoffs. Um, is this something that we're going to look at in a couple weeks and be like, man, the Saints really struggle with some of these more physical teams? I think that um, 
it exposed the weakness for the Saints. I mean, the weakness for the Saints is their offensive line. That offensive line is really bad. Now, sometimes they can scheme up for it, but as you saw in the Dallas game, if they don't come in with the right scheme, it doesn't seem like they have enough depth to make adjustments for it. Uh, but you can you can beat the Saints pretty easily if you can dominate that that um, line. It, it disrupted a lot of things that they want to do. Even when they played the Browns early in the season, which is kind of surprising why it didn't work with the Rams. So that may be a thing of being on the road where you can't audible and get your get your stuff in. So that may help the Saints in itself that they're probably going to get home court home field advantage. And these issues that we're talking about won't even be issues. Um, the Chargers came back from a 23-7 deficit to beat the Steelers. Um, you know, I Pittsburgh dominated that first half, and you kind of blink and you look, and the Chargers are hanging around. And if you're Philadelphia, man, you got, or excuse me, if you're Pittsburgh, you got to be pretty pissed off with yourself because you you can't squander a lead that big with that much on the line, um, knowing that San Diego looks like a complete team, especially when they have Melvin Gordon back. Los you just Angeles can't let off the gas. Oh, I'm sorry, the Los <laughs> Angeles Chargers. They'll never be that to me for some reason. <laughs> um, but more disappointment in Pittsburgh or, um, you know, more confidence in, in Los Angeles? I I really like the Los Angeles Chargers. They're, they're a really balanced team, and they're young. Um, mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon being out, uh, he has to come back. I saw something that said he could be back in the next week or two. I think that's going to be the real dis- difference maker. Even though I did like Justin Jackson running the ball, I think they need to get away from Austin Eckler. Maybe use him yeah, as a third. Yeah, he's not a full. T- he's not a bell cow yeah. at all. If they can go with Justin, Justin Jackson did look a lot like Le'Veon Bell. I heard a commentator say that. But I really like this team. I mean, they're solid on the defensive line. They got a nice rush with Bosa and Ingram. Um, the linebackers look pretty good, and those DBs are really good. So I like that team. I like what Phillip Rivers does. The only thing that they're missing right now is Gordon. And it seemed like once they figured out that Eckler wasn't a guy and started really rushing Justin Jackson, they turned it on. So, I mean, I, I like this Chargers team. I think that they can be a rough matchup for any team. And if you really think about it, when they played Kansas City, Kansas City came out and shocked them and got a big lead. But they made their game a lot closer in the second half. It's just they spotted them with 28 points on long Long passes to Tariq Hill. But once they shut that down, they came back and made that a lot closer. Right. Yeah, I uh, I think the Chargers are dangerous. And one thing that I do want to say is uh, Phillip Rivers needs to have stop having so many damn kids, okay? <laughs> the world's overpopulated, and he's expecting his ninth kid. Cut it out, man. You I got like... two boys, six <laughs> girls. What you looking for? Hey, he's looking for more boys, man. <laughs> Man, just he, take what you can get. He's doing all that just to get whatever count of boys he got in his head. I guess he needs it. But that dude's the ultimate family, man. I like that dude, man. He didn't even move from San Diego because of his family. I guess he's driving 74 miles um, both ways to practice and from practice. I mean, his I, wife's fertile as hell. Yeah. He's got a strong-ass seed. Hey. Cut it out, man. Damn, we got population issues. Send some of them kids over to Japan or something. Bro, if you can support the kids, you can have as many as you want. I say, Philip, have 20. I mean, he's a multi-millionaire. Have as many kids as you want, man. He can have 22. Have a whole football um, team, offense and defense. All them stink-ass <laughs> Rivers kids. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Patriots, man. I mean, they're quietly the number two seed in the AFC, and they – Pretty much beat just beat the hell out of uh out of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, the Vikings look good one week and then they just look com- the complete opposite the next week. That NFC North is kind of like that in general. Um, 
Do you think the Vikings get in the playoffs? And and what do you make of the Patriots? I think the Vikings get in the playoffs, but this is what I was talking about with Kirk Cousins. This is why I said I wouldn't give Kirk Cousins thirty million. I mean, he starts off the season, he looks good, but he's not a championship winning quarterback. He's not a quarterback that can actually take your team to the next level. Case Keenum did better with the same talent. He's just he just does not have that it factor. He just like you can have you can have quarterbacks that are more talented, but just don't have that it factor. Like I would say Case Keenum isn't as talented as Kirk Cousins, but he has that it factor that can win games for you. Now he's not a championship quarterback either, but it just shows the difference between a Case Keenum and a Kirk Cousins. That's why I said all offseason, I thought that was dumb to give him that much money. I don't think he's a good quarterback. But as far as the Patriots, man, the consistency is crazy. They just do it year in, year out, whoever's on the roster. They take other people's garbage, throw them on the wa- uh, roster for $25 an hour, and turn them into almost virtual pro bowlers, man. It's it's crazy. We hadn't ever seen anything like this. I mean, we've seen dynasties. We've seen good teams. But have we seen teams do as much with less than the Patriots for as long yeah. as they have? Year in, year out, and that just goes to show you that one of the great things, the the keys to being a great coach is being being able to adapt. You look at Greg Popovich in the NBA. You look at Bill Belichick. I mean, these guys have built dynasties over twenty years. Um, because you look at Coach K and down in college. I mean, these dudes just adapt every single year, and they they continue to do. Yeah, more with less. I mean, it's pretty impressive, yeah, and I hate don't the don't say Coach K without seeing Roy Williams around me. Yeah, that's nice. Anyway, um, so let's talk a little bit about Mike McCarthy before we move on to the NBA. Um, I, I know some people were all up in arms about him getting fired. Oh, he won you a Super Bowl. You got you can't fire him in, in week 15 or 14 or 13, whatever week we're in. Uh, you can't fire him in the middle of the season like this. Um, for me, my opinion, they should have fired this dude three years ago. Um, so he's lucky he got the benefit of the doubt for this long. I say... When it's time, it's time. What do you think? Yeah, I don't understand this. Hey, he won a Super Bowl for me, so you can't fire him. Well, when are you supposed to fire him? He's obviously not getting it done. He hasn't been on the same page with Aaron Rodgers for like the last four years, I want to say. So how many years are you going to waste of Aaron Rodgers' prime? Now, I know you had, what, one or two seasons when Rodgers was hurt, but now you just gave Rodgers like $100 million guaranteed. You need to get something out of that $100 million. You shouldn't just be giving quarterbacks $100 million and – not making Especially the when they're 34 years old. Yeah, I mean, you have to get something. So this is the time um, to get. And you probably need a young, innovative offensive coordinator or coach and people that will do something different. I see so many times that Aaron Rodgers is so good, but they're just doing traditional NFL stuff. The NFL is way past that now, man. You got to get way more innovative. With a person like Rodgers' skill set, they should be doing a lot more with that offense. And they haven't and you been. You would think that the NFL would look at what the Rams have done and and have said, "Wow, that is a we got a young coach who thinks outside the box and doesn't do things the other way." And how much success Sean McVay has had as a thirty-two-year-old coach, and it, you know, so I would say, you know, so why would the Raiders hire John Gruden? But John Gruden was Sean McVay before, and he had he had success. You know, and it's one of those things. Look at those young coaches and see what they bring to the table, especially if you have a talented team like the Packers. You know, you got to look and say, all right, well, I don't need a retread. 
you know, Dom Capers or whomever they're going to get to <laughs> to come out and coach. You know, look at the Sean Paytons. Look at the, the Sean McVeighs. Look at the, you know, back in the day, John Gruden's guys who need a shot and can really turn your franchise over and, and be successful. Yeah, I mean, I heard that they were saying, well, I didn't hear. They were talking about a lot on Twitter and Instagram comments saying that in Bleacher Report that, Green Bay should go all in on Lincoln Riley. I mean, he's innovative. That would be the type of coach that you're talking about they would need. I don't think he's looking to jump to the NFL. Um, and I know it's kind of off. But why would a college coach go to the NFL? Is it just the ego thing? Because not only do you get about the same amount of salary, sometimes more, but then you're like the king of the town. You can put in your contract, hey, I want three cars and two houses and all this stuff. Why would You're you go a god pro? on college campuses. Yeah, why would you ever go pro? I don't see why any coach leaves to go pro. Like it never makes sense to me. But no, yeah, I don't think Lincoln Riley's gonna be the guy. Um, there are innovative. Well, they were talking coaches. about Cliff Kingsbury before he went to USC, but you know. Now Cliff Kingsbury, yeah, I would think both Cliff Kingsbury and um, Lincoln Riley would probably need to be coordinators first. To adjust to the NFL, I'm not. I'm. I don't like when college coaches come straight to be a head coach. It seems like there's been some difficulties with that. Um, there's not a lot of successful coaches that come from college and then are successful. Like what Pete Carroll would be the Butch Jones, but he wasn't even successful when he first came. So yeah. So it's not Jimmy a lot. Johnson. I mean, you may be you may be better the second time around, but the first time is rough. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, got another couple weeks. Everybody's fantasy playoffs are kicking off, so the interest in the NFL is going to be there for the next little bit. Uh, with that said, man, let's move on to the NBA. Um, I, you know, Speaking of fire coaches, how much sense does it make to fire a guy December 3rd for a team that was going nowhere anyway, only to replace him with his assistant who, you know, by all accounts, it's, I mean, this isn't a big upgrade. Well, from what I was— Well, Frank Hoyt— yeah, Fred Hoiberg for the Bulls. Fred Hoiberg, yeah. Yeah, Fred Ho- Hoiberg for the Chicago Bulls was fired. But by everything I was reading, he just lost all the respect of the locker room. That they they were trying to stick it out with him, but people just didn't respect him. They didn't care, wasn't listening to what he's saying, and the owners were just saying more and more every week that people didn't respect his moves. And I, you heard this last year, so the bigger question is, why would you go into another year with this guy? With this guy? Why wouldn't you go get a younger coach you know, start building something. I don't I don't understand that. I don't understand what a lot of teams do. There's a lot of bad teams in the NBA that just make a lot of bad decisions continuously. Well, it's always bad ownership, right? And if the Bulls weren't lucky enough to have Michael Jordan in, in the 90s and Derrick Rose, you know, for a four or five year stretch in the 2000s, I mean, this has been a franchise that's just really been co- incompetent for their entire existence, really. I dream of being so rich that I can buy an NBA team just to support my baseball team. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, you know, I don't know that does much for them. Um, you know, Jabari Parker's having a decent year, but at the end of the day, you know, if you're Frank Hoiberg, you're probably like, well, shit, I'm getting paid. I'm going to go sit on the beach. I don't have to be yelling at Jabari Parker and Zach Levine to play defense because these cats ain't going to play it. 
I'm out. Yeah, but, I'll gladly take this fire. And this is a mercy kill if, yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Definitely a mercy kill. And he was a lot better in college than he has been in the NBA. I don't know why. He just wouldn't he's go probably back to a college. college coach. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, and that's probably what he'll do. Yeah, well, they said that he's not. He said he doesn't want to go back to college. But I don't understand well, that because he was a great coach. Where is he at? Iowa State or no? I, I, Iowa. Iowa. He was at mm-hmm. Iowa or Iowa State somewhere. But he was a really good coach. For a team that wasn't that good, because he can teach fundamentals, he can all the things that you look for in a college coach. Fred Hoiberg can teach, but when you got millionaires that make twenty million dollars more than you a year, then that kind of wears down on teams, players, especially when you're losing. But it's more interesting to see what other coaches were saying about the firing. Like Steve Kerr came out and said, "Well, he never had a chance," and some other coaches. So. That's going to make it very difficult for the Bulls to find a quality new coach when other coaches, they have their little union too, and they talk. If you're not giving the dude a fair shot and you're not supporting them and giving them the talent that they need and making decisions behind their back, that's going to make it very hard for you to become a better organization because no coach is going to want to go there. Well, I mean, you think about all that he's had to deal with. The, the You know, he got there. It was the uh, Derrick Rose you know, was just coming back from his injury, Jimmy Butler situation. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy he, Butler he, was running all over him like he was doing the Timberwolves. Yeah, he's never really had a fair shot at this this job, and honestly, he should have never taken this role. And I'm sure if he had a redo, he probably would still be at Iowa, or just not taking the Bulls job. I think he was at Iowa State, man. I feel like he was at Iowa. Maybe State. it was whichever one he went to college at. Maybe it was Iowa State. Yeah. Um, he would have he would have done a lot better to go. To even if you went to a young bad organization, um, he would have. Well, I guess you couldn't have went to Minnesota because that's where Thibs went. But that's that's the type of organization he needed to go to, some some place like that that'll stick with you, that'll know that you're rebuilding, and that'll support you. Somewhere like how Brooklyn did with their coach. I mean, they let him run his program, do what he needs, lose and show progress. I mean, right. that's what you need. They brought him in like, hey, we're win now. We got. Um, Two ACL injury Derrick Rose and a Jimmy Butler that doesn't want to be here and Taj Gibson. Let's let's go win a championship. That was never realistic. Right. Um so Kobe Bryant's a little sick of all the Warriors talk. He <laughs> said that uh the Lakers will win a championship again soon and that all those Warrior fans will go back to hell, basically. Um what do you make of that? I don't I personally don't know that I agree. Um, I think the Lakers have a foundation. I think that um, they will be competitive. I don't know that they're championship caliber this year or next year. Well, you know, I think that Kobe Bryant is enjoying his retirement and smoking some good Cali weed and <laughs> feeling himself because they got LeBron. But no, he's way off base. I mean, whenever the logo comes in and sets your organization up and builds it from scratch from the office down to the players you usually have sustained success and that's what you're seeing in memphis that's what you're seeing now with the warriors and now he's working on the clippers and somehow he comes and within a season blake griffin gets traded uh deandre jordan gets traded chris paul gets traded and what they're better how does yep. that happen? And Doc Rivers is coaching <laughs> the best basketball of his career. Yeah, and you're getting players that no one knows their name beyond, you know, really good big basketball fans. But somehow they play hard every day. You don't have any of that bickering in the locker room. They play defense, and they're just a well-rounded team. That's what he does. That's what uh, I just lost his name. Jerry West does. I mean, that's why he's a dynasty maker. He knows what he's doing. 
and, and you right. see that he builds stability, and that's what the Lakers is missing. When everyone looks to see who's missing, it's Jerry Buss, the senior, and Jerry West. They lost their stability. They lost their foundation. They lost the real decision makers, and that's why they're spinning in circles. Yeah, you got LeBron, but it wasn't because of anything you did. It's because Bronny wanted to go to L.A. and play for one of those L.A. schools. <laughs> no. Yeah, and the Lakers now are, are looking for that quick fix, um, and that's all they've been after. Um, and Jerry, let's you know, let's be honest. Jerry West has been gone for fifteen years now, but still, as you said, he set them up for even when he was in Memphis. Um, you know, he set the Grizzlies up to be the Grizzlies that they are now. Even though he probably handed the Lakers two titles uh, by trading them Pau Gasol, but it was a move that worked out great for Memphis as well. So. Yeah, as you said, where he goes, championships follow. So, um, yeah, man, I, I agree. I, I, I don't. I think that I think the Lakers will get better, but they are still missing that key piece. Um, you know, as, as far as they're gonna continuity, have, they're gonna have go to ahead. get rid of some of those young pieces, man. It just doesn't fit. It's obvious it doesn't fit. I know LeBron's LeBron's gonna get frustrated. They're on a mini winning streak now. They're above five hundred. They look good, but. I mean, you can look at the NBA standings and see that a lot of that's not going to last. Um, their teams are going to turn it around. It always looks like this early in the season. But, I mean, they just can't sustain. It's what we said earlier. They can't hit threes. They can't guard threes. They can run. And so you're going to win some games, especially on your East Coast swing. But that team is not built for success right now. No, I actually think that they should keep Lonzo and probably see what you can get for ingram maybe kuzma uh um, you definitely at all those players i think the one person you don't trade is kuzma and josh hart those are perfect lebron players if you're going to keep lebron you have to keep kuzma you have to keep Hart. everybody else can go see i actually think lonzo is perfect for that team because he doesn't need the ball if he can improve his shooting just a little bit god damn he's bad at it but uh you know if he can improve his shooting and become uh, consistent he's actually the perfect player the perfect guard for a team you know because he doesn't need the ball he moves the ball quick and he plays really good defense yeah but if you, um, but don't, if you could if just you count on him to get 12 to 15 a, a game if you don't need the ball and you can't hit a shot then you probably need the ball yeah and you can stop all these comparisons with jason kidd now i mean because while they are similar players jason kidd could score <laughs> i mean yeah, he could he get to the bucket at will yeah and, and he affected the game and may, there's times where you don't even know lonzo balls on the floor um, but I do think Lonzo's a good player. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Over at some point, they're gonna have to trade somebody, and they're gonna have to package something for somebody. Well, I would say you trade Lonzo just because he's your most intriguing chip. He's the young piece that everyone knows would be a lot better on another team. Right now, over Ingram. No, I, I think Lonzo will be better than Ingram. If you put Lonzo, because Lonzo is a player that you can win with. Lonzo can change your attitude. He was right. he was responsible for about 25 30 games on that Laker team. He was his passing is contagious. He's a winning player. Ingram is a scoring player. I don't know that he necessarily would make you better. He'd be a better player. He can score, but he has a bad attitude, obviously. <laughs> he tries to fight yeah. everybody. He doesn't do all those little things. I don't think he has a winning attitude. So, yeah, I take Lonzo any day over Ingram. But you know the Kings, no telling what the Kings will give for Ingram. Yeah, well, 
I don't know, man. I can't. The Kings are doing all right this year so far. You got 15 teams in the West and 14 of them are trying to make the playoffs. Man, at some point, the NBA's got to take the team away from uh, homeboy in, in Phoenix, though. At some point, the NBA <laughs> has got to intervene and say, look, man, y'all motherfuckers have been in the lottery in the top five for the last six years. And you just wonder it's what, time. with no plan, like 19 lottery yeah. picks with no strategy at it's, all. It's time, man. Y'all, you're going to have to give this up. Or something, or something's got to give, bro. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's really bad. And with the amount of talent that they have, they actually have pieces. You should be a little better. They're not even a little better, man. And no, they're the worst team in the in the league year in year out. They're the new Clippers it, in the West. They're the new Hell, Donald they're, Sterling. They're the new yeah. I mean, they're the new Cavs without LeBron. <laughs> I mean, you know, just a team that you know is going to be bad every single year. The Kings. I mean, it's the, but the Kings are, have improved. The 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 Suns, man, they just get worse and worse and worse. And and at some point, like I said, man, somebody's gonna have to say, look, bro. The league's making too much money, and there's too much parity for y'all to be this bad for 10 years. You know what he's saying? I know they're making money because I'm getting it too. He knows Whenever it. we Damn don't right. make the playoffs or go over the salary cap, then you get their revenue-sharing money with the Warriors about to go, what, over $300 million salary cap? He's about to be eating fat this summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, man, before we get out of here, let's talk about Clay Thompson, man. He's gotten a little lippy lately, old cousin Clay. Yeah. Um, a little he, Chinese Clay coming to America. Yeah, he been he been talking a lot of shit the last uh, <laughs> last few days. Someone asked him if the Hawks reminded him of the Warriors, which I mean, I probably would have said the same thing because yeah. it's insulting. But he <laughs> said, yeah, maybe like seven years ago, uh, right outside you know, the dynasty, huh? <laughs> yeah, and then he's talking about how the reason the Cavs are one and eight in the playoffs or in the finals is because uh, they they've been doing all that petty shit for the last couple of years. Yeah, I saw a, a Bleacher Report article and they were trying to nitpick because he said, you know. That little petty three to one tombstone remark got them one and eight in the finals, and they thought that he meant like one and eight winning the finals. But what he was talking about is the win loss record between them right. after that. I mean, because he four one one year, four zero oh, sweep the next year. And so yeah, he's kind of feeling himself. But what can you say? You got every right to be three of the last four you um, champions. What what can you say to him? Right, you know that so. as bad as they're doing right now, you don't even see them sweating because at any moment now, Demarcus Cousins is gonna walk on the floor, and this is gonna be unfair for everybody. Obviously, they don't care about winning seven, th- 70, 73 games anymore. So, what does it matter? The re- regular season doesn't matter to championship teams. The regular season, like the Patriots, doesn't care what happens in the first four games. Who cares? Right. No, I agree. I agree and we, 100%. Do you even know who's in the Warriors division? Like, is that ever even a question that they're going to win their division? No. <laughs> no. Uh, who they play with? Utah? Uh, I think it's the yeah. Lakers, Utah, Sacramento. The like, Kings. Yeah, people yeah. never talk about how bad their division is just because they're so dominant. But, like, they could close coast for 30 games and still probably get in. And it'll just make the number one team feel worse because they got to play the Warriors first round. Like, it's nothing. They'll get in no matter what, so it really doesn't matter. All right, man, that's what we got. Anything else before we get out of here? Nah, I think I'm good, man. Well, that's it. That's all. We'll holler at y'all next week. Oh, but we do have an Instagram page. Go to our Instagram, at 2 smart dummies. That's D-U-M-M-I-E-S. Um, check us out on Twitter. 
um, two smart dummies. And if you want to send a long list of things we messed up on, you can always hit us up on Gmail, which is backwards smart dummies number two. This is all with the number two. Don't spell out two. Two smart dummies or smart dummies two at Gmail. That's all. Y'all have a great week. Peace. Peace.